Podcast. This podcast is designed to be a resource to pastors and men's ministry leaders as they build out their ministry with their men. And we do this because every man deserves an opportunity to become an authentic, biblically-based man of God. Act Like Men is sponsored by Men's Ministry Catalyst, a ministry now in its 42nd year, designed to help churches as they build their ministry with men. Hi, everyone. My name is Wendell Morton. I'm the Executive Director of Men's Ministry Catalyst. Great to have you here today. And as always, I want to introduce you to my co-host, Dale Uni. Dale, welcome. Wendell, good to be with you again. We've got a wonderful topic, I think, for the guys who are not only uh, leading men, but those that are obviously uh, part of the church today, because we've got a message that goes across all the lines in our churches. Amen. So we're privileged to have Dr. Jeff Baxter. Jeff is the next-gen pastor overseeing staff teams at Mission Hills Church in Littleton, Colorado. He is a creative and passionate Bible teacher, lifelong learner with advanced theological degrees, MDiv and DMIN. He served in all different churches in all different roles, including lead pastor. He has traveled extensively overseas, taught at universities and conferences. And the most important part, He's married to beautiful Lori, and they have three awesome kids in high school and beyond. Look for Jeff at your local coffee shop for conversation and study, or in Israel, exploring the land where the Bible took place. Jeff, welcome. Thanks for your time today. Hey, thanks for having me on. I feel like I got the dream team. I mean, surrounded by the two the two best guys here. <laughs> well, let's put it this way. Your your addition to us has driven our uh, intelligence quotient up, and we're glad yeah. you're here. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a true statement for sure. So, Jeff, uh, I go to Mission Hills, so I knew you from there. I, I knew you before, but I've uh, definitely known you at Mission Hills. You have a real passion for reaching the next generation or what we call next gen. Can you tell me how that was birthed in you and, and what does that really mean, next gen? We use that phrase a lot, but maybe a couple of questions there. Sure. Yeah, I'll give you the short version. Um, yeah, I grew up in a Christian home, but I would say it was a nominal Christian home. Mom and dad weren't fully on board with Jesus. They knew Jesus, but it was more of a social church than it was anything passionate. But I do remember my mom and dad for a period of time were my youth leaders growing wow. up in the church I grew up in. And so that probably is where it birthed. Uh, if I look back on it, not even knowing that's what God was doing. And then uh, I kind of went a roundabout way. I was on staff at a parachurch ministry as a speaker and mission trip leader. And I blew in, blew up, blew out, as they say. And uh, that was what God caused in me to be drawn to the local church because I wanted to disciple the next generation and not blow in, blow up, blow out. So I would land as a youth pastor at our first church after all that. And then uh, a number of churches since then in all different roles, as you mentioned, and mainly around next gen things. And so this position at Mission Hills opened up and um, my wife's not the Holy Spirit, but she's close. And so I showed her the description of the job and she said, that sounds like you. And I said, that's what I thought. So the rest is history. Uh, but I just find it an honor and a privilege 
to be in this role, oversee teams that are doing a great job reaching the next gen. I would say the next gen is, is everybody that's younger than young adults. Um, you know, when we say adult, we don't think next gen probably, but everybody younger than that um, is who I would characterize as, as next gen in some smaller and medium sized churches that could mean, um, you know, children's ministry or youth ministry. Um, uh, but nonetheless, everybody that's not an adult is the next gen. So the passion to reach them, I get that. I, I, I'm glad, you know, God helped you through your journey to understand the value of that whole process, yeah. which in that journey was more, it was intergenerational as well, because you had multiple generations at the same time, which is also a critical, critical factor. What does that mean? Uh, and why do we focus on next gen so much? We hear it is such a popular term anymore. Right. Local church, what does it mean to, to be involved with the next gen? And what does it mean if we don't? Yeah. Quick, quick, really fast history lesson. You know, we, we didn't used to have this because you think little house in the prairie days and, you know, Laura went from child to adult overnight, got married, had kids at 14 years old. And what's happened is because of adolescent development and, different things have taken place and nobody knows why we guess about the reasons why, but it's getting longer. And so there's a bigger gap. And so all of a sudden we noticed that children were different. We needed a director for children's ministry or some volunteers to do that in the church. And then we noticed that, well, youth are different, so we don't want them to destroy anything. So let's give them their own room down the hallway and put somebody over them and so we started to compartmentalize all the generations, which with good intentions separated all of them from everybody being together. And so then all of a sudden the youth band is a lot cooler than turning a hymn book in the church, which is my story growing up and many people's stories. And no wonder they don't want to go to the main service because their youth band's cooler than that. So, um, so something's changed over the last 50 years. And as a result, now we look to hire different staff. The same thing is now happening and has been happening for a while with young adult college ministry. We noticed that that's different. And so let's give the high school pastor or young, young adult, uh, uh, excuse me, youth pastor, the responsibilities to oversee young adults too, if there's a college in the town or whatever it might be. So, um, I know from a lead pastor, and there might be some listening, this podcast are thinking, you know, we, I don't want my church to die, so we better go after the next generation. Yeah. Uh, but there's so much more to it than just not wanting a church to die. We need to be intergenerational across the board, in my opinion, um, from having kids, youth, young adults, older adults, senior citizens, part of the whole mix to be a healthy church, uh, or we're going to miss something and we have been missing something. Um, I'll, I'll push pause there for a moment because I can keep yeah, going. No, that's good. <laughs> that's great. Um, you know, Jeff, Jeff, it's important, obviously, to be intentional about this. And, and I know I've heard you speak in the past on being intentional about being intergenerational. Um, and I know that's hard to unpack all of that in just a few minutes or a few key points. 
but we've got guys that are listening to this podcast and maybe they're wondering, where would I even begin to uh, be more intentional with an intergenerational ministry? How, how would I, how would I develop that? A couple of key things. Sure. In terms of, you know, leaders in the church or big influencers in the church or dads or lead pastors, um, you know, being in relationship with the next generation and not being intimidated by them or scared. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause I think sometimes we, we, the, the words I use are, is, is we associate with the next generation, but we don't participate with the next generation. Mm-hmm. So we, we uh, hang out with them. We're present in the worship center with them. We pass them in the hallway. Mm-hmm. We don't engage. We don't have a conversation. We don't ask their name or find out how they're doing. Um, and I think that's really unfortunate. And we, and it's because the, well, frankly, the next generation gives off a vibe in general of not wanting to be involved in the next, in the older generation. But I think the opposite is true deep down in their, their hearts. They, they want particularly men to engage and lean in and be involved in their lives, take them out to coffee, take them out for, for a meal. Um, dads to lean in during this time in particular uh, for teens and 20 somethings um, when sometimes dads tend to check out during this time uh, and let moms handle it. And I think the opposite has to be true. There has to be the paternal uh, attachment there. Um, and so it's no wonder when we miss dads and miss leaders around the next generation and we complain about uh, the next generation, not, you know, stepping up and being the man I used to be, well, maybe it could be our fault. It could be our fault that we're not doing what we need to be doing along the way. Um, those are a couple of things I think of. The key I, I, part think is, you know, I, I was just, you know, going to pull that back together. The key part of yes. that is that communication that you mentioned that, but giving yeah. them the chance and taking that chance and being there with them and inviting them on the journey. Yeah. Thanks. Yep. I think it's really good. And I know as a dad, you know, when my kids were teenagers, sometimes I'd move into the authoritarian role and, you know, almost like a finger pointing, like you will not kind of mentality, which I think, you know, when it's, when it's, when it's undefined, which is, you know, teenage years and adulthood, a little bit undefined on how you progress, when you progress, at what age you progress, do you ever fall back? All those things, you know, it's hard for, as a man who's more in the box thinking to deal with that. And in my mind, and for me, it was hard to deal with that nebulous thing of, you know, today we talk, tomorrow you don't want to have anything to do with me. And it's a real hard right. dynamic. But we're the adult, right? So right. I I had to find a way, not all, every time did I find a way, but I had to find a way to get past that to be able to sustain a relationship into adulthood, which to me was the ultimate goal. Right. Yeah. I think we get tricked sometimes and I have for sure, where you look at, you know, what, what the next gen teens, 20 somethings look like physically and our minds trick ourselves into thinking they're mature. They're good to go. They're, they're adults. And even though physically they are adult like, we know mentally their frontal lobes of their brains are not fully developed yet. And as a result, uh, they can't reason forward. They literally can't yet. They, they can't think forward enough for them to fully function on their own um, without making some mistakes and, 
And, and so I say they need to fail forward and we need to extend grace mm. to them. And which is really hard for, for men, including me, I, I would much rather correct them. Um, my own kids even than to walk in relationship long-term at marathon, not sprint with them and come alongside and they probably extend more grace. Um, my, my two oldest, I have a 23 year old, 20 year old and 15 year old, uh, girl, boy, girl. And I, the relationship with my two oldest has shifted. They still live at home. And what's happened is I, I have had to pull back and wait for them to ask for advice <laughs> more than offer it. So, so the, the uh, I'm stealing this from somebody else. I forget who it was, but the front mat, the welcome mat is always on, on the front porch, <laughs> but I've got to wait for them to, to walk through the door to uh, metaphorically speaking, to ask questions and seek advice. And when that happens though, I celebrate because it's, it's just a blessing for them to go, maybe he was smarter than I thought he was growing up. And when they get that to me, one time you you have to make that transition. And as a parent from being that coach to being a counselor, you know, being an encourager, but you hit it right on the head, being on the journey with them and just letting them know you're there, not maybe to solve all their problems, but to be with them as they solve their problems. That's right. And it's really hard, really hard. It's listen, it's a struggle. It's a struggle for them, right? As a teenager, as a preteen to teen to try to figure out their identity, all that stuff. So it's really, and it's also a struggle for us. So you, the key you mentioned though is stay in relationship. Yeah. The best to struggle together, if you will, not struggle with. And I think that's, uh, I love that, love that point actually very much. So let's think just for a moment, if you don't mind, for a small church. That uh, small, even medium that doesn't have full time staff to help walk from the diapers to early adulthood, wherever that ends. Uh, what are a couple of suggestions you have, and what are some observations you've you've made over time? Yeah, I, I think we all churches, but particularly small churches, feel this pressure to start programs for all these age groups. And here's the good news. And we, we, if anybody's been a part of a small church or you're on staff at a small church, you're a lead pastor of a small church, listen to this podcast. Um, here, here's, here's what's great about a small church. Everybody knows everybody. And so you're surrounded. And so I, I hear story after story after story of a teenager who grows up, who says, you know, grandma Millie knew me when I walked in the door and she said, I'm praying for you, you know, stories like that, which sometimes we miss in the big church, but we still want to do the same thing in the big church. But the small church is kind of built in because you just rub shoulders with intergenerational people all the time. So I say, take advantage of that. Mm. Lean in on that. As a dad, I want to surround my kids with, I'll say, five other Christ following adults. And I want to be intentional about that. Who, who, what other adults am I getting around my son and my daughters um, who can take them to coffee? And I'll, I'll literally say, Hey, would you take my son to coffee? Would you go hang out with them? Uh, I can do that. And I do do that, but how much more valuable it is it just have the same message. And I think smaller churches, medium-sized churches can do that easier sometimes than larger churches. Because, you know, more people, you lose relationships a little bit, you lose connection. And we, we don't intend to, 
but it can happen. But I think as a lead pastor, as an elder, as a dad, as a, as a man to intentionally try and figure out how to surround your child, the next generation with other men who are, who are following Jesus too is critical. That's good. That's great. Hey, a couple minutes we have left. I want to, I want to do a little commercial with you, Jeff, because I, you know, I know you have a, a new book you've just published. I want you to talk mm-hmm. about that for a minute or two. We'll talk about how to get a hold of that. And I know you're an Israel fan and love to take people to help explore where the Bible was created, so to speak, where they lived yeah. it. And so um, take a couple minutes, talk about your book first, and we'll include all that in the show notes so people have access to it. But then uh, talk about Israel as well. Yeah, thank you. That's super kind of you. Um, yeah, just just came off the press. Uh, it's called Grow and Grow. Um, and it's five keys to help the next generation hold on to their faith when they leave the home, when they head to college, when they become a young adult. And statistically, we know that a lot are not hanging on to their faith there because of a number of things, because they're on their own, because they're developmentally, they're not ready for it yet. They get a really smart professor who convinces them that Christianity is not true, whatever it might be. So that's why I wrote the book. And I wrote two versions, one's for students and one's for parents and mentors. And the parent mentor book has some other notes in it along the way to help guide uh, what what your student, your child might be going through at that time. So, um, yeah, thanks for mentioning that. I'm passionate about that and believe that the, the, the five areas are super helpful. Um, and yeah, my wife and I love leading trips to Israel and we do at least one a year, sometimes two. And I just think there's something special about going to the place where Jesus, the disciples, David, Solomon, uh, walked and we know for sure the places where they were. And then to connect geographically with the stories of the Bible is uh, it's, it's life-changing, literally. I, here's the quick story. My wife and I were with some pastors and spouses on our first trip and halfway through, we said, we need to bring other people back. And so it, it was just too easy and to figure out how to keep the cost as low as possible so that we can take as many people as possible and my, my actually, here's my here's my side goal, which hasn't quite happened yet, is I want to take the next gen to Israel <laughs> and not just future pastors. But I just think the earlier they're exposed to all these stories that we're talking about are actually true. They're actually geographically, archaeologically facts. And if they can get a hold of that, then the likelihood of them holding on to their faith is greater now, I haven't quite figured out how to do that yet <laughs> uh, because it tends to be, you know, older, retired folks that want to finally get to Israel. But I really right. think the earlier you can go, the better. I like that. I absolutely like that. So we'll put a link in the show notes to uh, Jeff's book, uh, Go and Grow. Um, and um, I'll let you have Jeff's website as well, jeffbaxter.org. I'll also include that in the show notes. In there is opportunities to connect if you want to go to Israel, if you want uh, the book, uh, if you want more information, you want to communicate with Jeff in some manner. So that'd be a great way to do that. Jeff, been a treat having you on. Thanks for, uh, th- not just for the time today, but thanks for the life that has been lived to create this. Mm-hmm. Passion to keep our focus on how we reach the next gen, not just for the future, but for today, because yeah. they make a huge impact with their peers 
that you and I will never reach. So I think that's a real critical factor as we move forward. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you so much, Wendell and Dale. It's been great to be with you. So this is a great topic, and I appreciate uh, Dr. Baxter's uh, expertise and his life commitment to this. Um, and I will give that website to you as I as I indicated. Just a reminder, our episodes are launched on the first and third Thursdays of every month. If you're not yet subscribed, please do so either on our website or wherever you consume your podcasts. We release show notes, as I mentioned, and they'll be available to you at any point in time. Thank you again for joining us. You are the reason we exist. And we do all of this for pastors and leaders of men, because every man deserves an opportunity to become an authentic, biblically-based man of God. Be watchful.